Congressman Gutierrez, thank you for having us uh, in your office in your final months here. Yeah, great in to DC. have you. You seem very happy. I am. <laughs> I am. I am. It's a glow. I am. Not usual coming from, from Congress <laughs> and, and Trump's DC at this point. Yes, I am. I'm, I'm looking forward. I look at life kind of like a novel. And at 65, I figure I got one last chapter. And I, I really want to write a chapter outside of Washington, D.C. I, I want to be in Pennsylvania and in Michigan and in Florida and across this country helping people go from green cards to citizenship, helping 18-year-olds understand. So. In 1972 was the first year an 18-year-old could vote. It was very exciting. I was 18. And you had to be 21 before that. So I remember how exciting it was. I want to do some of that work. So continue to create at the grassroots outside of Washington, D.C., a mobilization of people for 2020 so that, so, so that I can bring my island to 21st century standards so, you know, so that immigrants can get justice so that we don't, we don't challenge people on who they pray or how they pray, who they love and how they love them. So um, that's the work I want to do. I've done that work in the Congress for 26 years. I want to do that by mobilizing and interconnecting people, African-Americans and Black Lives Matter, with our dreamers and understanding how they're interconnected with our LGBTQ community and our transgender community how they're interconnected with environmentalists, how they're in with women's right and the Me Too movement. It's really all interconnected. And our foe, the person who is leading the charge against all of our rights, right, is Donald Trump. So I want to go out there and create uh, new voters. Because look, um, the one with the most votes wins, but now we learn it's the one with the most votes in the appropriate states. Right, because we you. Just that. Yeah, we just learned that because I went to sleep in 2000, and you know Al Gore was president. I no one o'clock. I went to sleep. Al Gore's president. Woke up at five, and it's Bush. Um, this time I'm like, oh, Hillary got three million more votes, but Donald Trump's president of the United States. So the posters were right. She was going to win by two points. She just didn't win them in the right states. I am now going to focus on creating power in the right states. Uh, because we cannot reinvent how you elect a president of, and it's an electoral college. Florida, 200,000 Puerto Ricans now live there. That's after the hurricane. There were already a million there before, given the economic decline on the island of Puerto Rico. So that's what I want to go. So if you see happiness, it's because I'm doing my work here. I told Jesus Garcia, who is the Democratic nominee and a champion of the Bernie Sanders revolution, you are so lucky. You're going to be in a majority. We're going to work so that you're in a majority when you go to Congress. I know you wanted to ask some no, questions. That's so that's kind of, kind of back to organizing, back to what I originally did. Um, so you mentioned interconnection, and I, and I think that there's an intersection between uh, what's happening in Puerto Rico and what's happening in the States. But Sometimes the messages you hear in Puerto Rico are very different than what you hear in the States. And sure. I think the big one would be statehood. Sure. Could you explain what statehood represents in Puerto Rico? What, what's, what's the truth behind the fight for statehood? Yeah. Look, uh, there are people on the island of Puerto Rico 
who believe that all of the problems of the island will be resolved if it were only the 51st state. They look at their problems and the issues that they confront through that, 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 that periscope, right? We could only be a state. Well, Puerto Rico has half the per capita income of the poorest state. Statehood is not going to take it and overcome Mississippi. I mean, I come from a city of Chicago where I see poverty every day. In America, millions of kids go to sleep hungry. There are people who live in terrible housing and in terrible poverty in the United States. Let's go to Appalachia right now. There is drug addiction, the opiate crisis that we know is having a devastating effect. So look, if statehood were the, then when they just move to Illinois, do you get a job as soon as you get to Illinois? Do you get a home as soon as you get to Illinois? Do you get an education and a right to an education and to healthcare? No, none of those things are guaranteed by what state you live in, but that's how they look at Puerto Rico. The other thing is this thing, you know, I want to be American, right? Well, the island of Puerto Rico, and I think we have to understand and distinguish between citizenship and nationality. And I think that's what Carmen Julin, the mayor of San Juan, so when you hear her express herself, and she says, you're killing us, you're letting us die, and you hear that voice, and it resonates with you as an American, as somebody who, who's raised and nurtured on justice and fairness, and you say, wow, she's, she's defending her fatherland. She's defending her Puerto Rico, right? She's, uh, she's a person who believes there's a distinction. She's not a statehooder. The statehooders, on the other hand, are in the Congress of the United States, and the resident commissioner, the only uh, person who speaks on behalf of the people of Puerto Rico in the Congress of the United States, is in Donald Trump's party. And we've all seen the governor, and we've all seen them all be part of that. When you ask the governor, he says, well, I don't know that he has any problems with Latinos. Well, then you must live in a different world, um, Mr. Governor of Puerto Rico, Rosario, because you do have problems. So look at it through that lens. And I think, so Puerto Rico is a colony of the United States. Why do I say that? Because it's a territory of the United States. And a territory is something that you possess, something that you can do what you wish with. That doesn't mean that the human beings that live in the territory may not be American citizens, but the territory and what you do with it, think of it this way. The power over the people of Puerto Rico really doesn't rest in any democratically elected institutions in Puerto Rico. It rests in the federal government, and it rests in the Congress of the United States. But the people of Puerto Rico do not have a voting, even one voting member. They don't have senators. They don't have congressmen. They don't have anybody, but they dictate. So now, in Puerto Rico, they are closing down hundreds of schools. They are tightening the vices, right, on, on health care, on policemen walking down the streets and helping keep the people safe, on education. Why? Because they have imposed a junta de control, right? Um, and, and you know something? I say junta de control so many times, I forgot what they called it in English. The control board. The control board. The control board. Now you got seven men and women 
unelected and unaccountable. All who have bodyguards, by the way, while they're taking away security from the people. And all, I mean, the, the executive director, a Ukrainian woman raised in Chicago, um, she makes $650,000 a year plus housing plus all her bodyguards. Can't speak a lick of Spanish. And now is in charge of a control board over the island of Puerto Rico. So they take and they bring bureaucrats and they pay them a handsome sum of money. Who got to choose her? Seven people. Seven people, unaccountable and unelected. Imagine that your state, your city, was controlled by seven people that weren't elected. Moreover, on the island of Puerto Rico, most, and four of them are Republicans. Four of them are Republicans. So you know what they're going to do? And the majority of them come from the financial sector, the same financial sector that helped create the crisis, that sold the bonds, and that never warned anybody. So, yes, Puerto Rico is in a financial crisis. But if Puerto Rico is owned by and controlled by the Congress of the United States because it's a colony, and how do we know that? Because they imposed the control board over the people of Puerto Rico, right? And if they can impose that control board and usurp the legislative, judicial, and executive branch of governments elected by the people of Puerto Rico and impose something, that's a pretty powerful institution. That means I own you. You belong to me. Well, what's your responsibility, master? Colonial master that have been there on the island of Puerto Rico to the crisis of Puerto Rico. You helped create this crisis. But what you want to do is like blame the very victim of the colonialism. So on our island of Puerto Rico, right now you have Congressman Bishop. He's like one of the chairman of the Natural Resources Committee. And he says, he comes to Puerto Rico and he says, hmm, I want natural gas. Why are you using petroleum to run your electrical grid in Puerto Rico? Good point. Natural gas is cheaper than oil but he's also representing the fracking industry. Why on an island of Puerto Rico would you want to use natural grass, which we know how they're getting it through fracking and destroying our environment? Why, Mr. Bishop, did you not come to the tropical island of Puerto Rico and denote that there's a sun that rises every day and harvest that energy, right? Because that's not the interest that you represent as a Republican member of the Natural Resources why didn't you say, wow, I feel this breeze and this wind from the moment I, why aren't we capturing the wind? Why aren't we capturing truly renewable resources on a tropical island? Because we're a colony and our masters dictate even when we turn the switch, what kind of energy is going to be used to turn the switch on our, on our, on our electrical system. So that's just the latest example, right? And people went out on the May the 1st to protest. And what did the government do? They set up the riot squad in riot gear, in military gear, to stop people from peacefully. No one had done anything violent. No one had destroyed a single piece of property. People were assembled peacefully, and they stopped them. Now, afterwards, you saw the brutality of the police department. A police department, which we should understand, is under a consent decree because of its police brutality against the people of Puerto Rico by the Justice Department of Obama. So look, this is what we confront as an island of Puerto Rico. We produce what we do not consume 
and we consume what we do not produce. You've been on the islands. Those oranges aren't from the tropical island of Puerto Rico. Those bananas don't come and are harvested on the island of Puerto Rico. Why aren't you eating fish and codfish that is brought from the island? Sugar, we, we used to be plentiful in sugar. We used to be plentiful in rice. We used to be plentiful in the things that we ate. We import all of those things today to the island of Puerto Rico. So look, if as a governmental institution, you cannot protect your farmers, you cannot protect your agricultural workers, it demonstrates that you really have no power and, 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 and that that power is somewhere else. So the farmers aren't protected in Puerto Rico. You go to the island of Puerto Rico and you say, well, um, you know, we're going to get, how are you going to, how is statehood going to fix $6.50 uh, $6 for a gallon of milk? It's half that price in Chicago. Um, $4 a dozen eggs. Um, I mean, the prices, and, you know, I look at my island and I go, wow, how hard it is to tell people to eat healthy. When you see a small package of grapes on a tropical island, how expensive food is how expensive grapes and melons and vegetables like lettuce. And we should be creating all of those things and having tomatoes. Um, the, the one, we don't even produce enough coffee to supply our own consumption of coffee. Uh, and, and if anybody would only taste Puerto Rican, I know everybody says their coffee is the best. Puerto Rican coffee was always such a great coffee that even the king and queen of Spain would make sure that from all of the quote-unquote new world that they had come to conquer, they always wanted the coffee to come back from the island of Puerto Rico. We should be mass-producing coffee on the island of Puerto Rico and distributing. And so there's an economy there. And there's such an intelligent, such a loving, and I know people are going to say, but Luis, everybody says this about themselves. Come to my island of Puerto Rico, and people don't judge you. They don't look at, you know, the first thing is, They'll speak to you in Spanish. Now, if you correct them and you're not Puerto Rican, then it's on you to correct them, right? But they're not going to see you as anything else but a fellow brother and sister. You have to, like, correct that, right? I told my brothers in the, in the Black Caucus, my brothers and sisters in the Black Caucus, come down to Puerto Rico, right? You want to see what a state of mind is? Go to a coffee shop. Go to a grocery store. Go to any, you know, go buy bread. Go to, a, go to any store and walk in there. And the first words are going to be in Spanish to you because they're going to think you're from the island of Puerto Rico. And, and it doesn't matter if you're black or if you're blonde or blue. That's what they're going to imagine. Because my island is just this perfect blend of colors and nuances. And, and, and it's a beautiful place. And, and so now the Congress of the United States, and let me be clear. During the, so Puerto Rico has a fiscal crisis. It cannot pay its bills. The Congress of the United States that has complete authority over the island of Puerto Rico because Puerto Rico is under the territorial clause of the Constitution of the United States, which means Puerto Rico belongs to but is not a part of the United States. Okay? So they impose this control board over it. Do you know what the basic theme of the debate was? Vote for this. It will not cost us a cent. An island with three and a half million people are on the verge of economic collapse. And what, what help do we offer? Something that will not cost us a cent. 
That is the response. And we see it repeated in Donald Trump's treatment and this administration's treatment of the island after the hurricane. It's always pinching pennies and it's always doing the least possible for the people that belong in that island. And then they say, and then they think statehood will resolve it. Statehood will not resolve anything. You know what's going to resolve? Creating jobs. But to create jobs, we need to replant one-third of that island. One-third of the vegetation is gone. And until we go and replant it, so right now, I would be saying to America, we should have brigades of Americans and Puerto Ricans going down and up the hillside, simply planting because the erosion that's going to be caused by the lack of vegetation given the storm and its destructive, our water supply. I know people say, but it's a tropical island, it rains there all the time. But we need a water supply. We need an electrical grid. And I'm going to go back. Let's harvest the air. Let's harvest the sun. It's there. Guess what? They're free. We just, and the technology exists. Let's go to MIT. Let's go to Illinois Institute of Technology. Let's go to Stanford. Let's bring the best minds in the technology, right? And bring it to the island of Puerto Rico. And California, starting 2020, every new home is going to have to have solar panels. Guess what? I got it. I've been to, for, for Americans, please go the next time you travel through Iowa. Please travel through Iowa in a car and see all the windmills. They produce half of their energy in Iowa with wind. Guess what? I got a tropical island with a lot more wind than, and a lot more sun than Iowa. If Iowa can do it, why can't not a tropical island do it? In terms of the fight against the Fiscal Control Board, I, I find it fascinating that it, it was not a Republican. Clearly, there were financial interests. And yes, there were Republicans on the Fiscal Control Board. But the fight over enacting the Fiscal Control Board we go back in time, there was tension. Yeah. You, you were a, a... I was against the control board. As a Puerto Rican, you were the sole yeah. voice. voice yeah. And going against uh, President Obama. But flash forward now, I think what um, has been a little revealing is on the mainland, there is a, a campaign post-Maria, mm-hmm. reignited for statehood, but it's happening internally within the Democratic Party. And while I, you know, they may seem like very separate issues to many, sure. if you really look at how you fight off Trump, look, it's the Democrats. <laughs> when we are going to elect the chairman of the DNC, the Democratic Net, what are the forces? Well, you have the Our Revolution Bernie Sanders forces, led by Keith Ellison, and you have the more moderate, right, traditional forces, uh, led by uh, Mr. Perez, who used to be the uh, Secretary of Labor for, uh, for Obama. And Obama and all of those forces are for Perez. It's a really tight race. Guess what? Puerto Rico gets to vote in that race. The first thing they do is they take out all of the progressive uh, leadership out of the Democratic Party on the island of Puerto Rico. And then the statehooders, right, who control both the Republican and the Democratic Party. Because remember, the resident commissioner, the person here in the House of Representatives from the statehood party, does not caucus with Democrats. She caucuses with Donald Trump's Republicans, right? But anyways, what do they do? They go to Mr. Perez and say, it's a tight race. We will support you for chairman of the DNC 
if you will give an unequivocal support for statehood for Puerto Rico. So they've reduced the politics of the Democratic Party to statehood. And Mr. Perez gives them. So now, I never read in the Democratic Party platform that statehood was our position. Shouldn't we allow the people of Puerto Rico to make that determination? Now, the current governor of Puerto Rico, who says he has a mandate for statehood, got 41% of the vote. That's what he got. That's how he won the governor. I'm not trying to say it's an illegitimate governorship. He won fair and square, but he got 41%. So then he has a referendum where he defines the other options, and he says, oh, I got 98% of the vote. Man, you do better than Putin. Man, you, you know, you're right. You get 98% of the vote. He don't play in Puerto Rico. 98% of the vote. We have a mandate for statehood. Who believes that? You know what happened? Two-thirds of the voters boycotted. But now they come and they say, yeah, we know the vast majority of Puerto Ricans didn't even vote. But the ones that did voted for us, because that's the way you set it up, right? So it's a false premise. There has never been a majority of Puerto Ricans for statehood. Um, Puerto Ricans love the United States of America, but they are who they are. And what I want to say to Americans is, I know you think and you say, oh, I want them to be just like me, right? And I'm an American citizen and they're my fellow American citizens. Listen, tell you what, let them be just like who let them determine who they are. Don't bring, right, your sense of entitlement, right, and say, I want you to be like me. And No, that arrogance has to be set aside. That's, that's the essence of colonialism, right? Why don't you forget about your language and your culture and your heritage and your idiosyncrasies? I want to give you something better and greater. I want you to be just like me. I mean, I even hear that from settlers when I go uh, to Israel. You know, if the Palestinians would just let us run it and they could be just like us. That doesn't settle conflicts, right? What settles conflicts is two sides understanding and being respectful of one another. And I don't think that that's happening. So uh, if what were happening in Puerto Rico were happening anywhere and other in the world, everybody would be supporting independence for those countries. But because it's part of the United States. And look, I am not, I have supported independence for Puerto Rico. I currently believe that the best way forward for Puerto Rico and the United States is to have, a, how would I say it, a compact, right? A treaty, a friendship, of solidarity right, of trust between the people of Puerto Rico and the people of the United States so that we can, where we maintain American citizenship and the American dollar, and, but then we respect and we allow the island to create its own um, avenues of energy and create on an island of Puerto Rico, they should be promoting the superstructure of the society, should be promoting fishing and eating fish. Um, they should be promoting renewable energy and leaving the smallest, minute footprint um, on, on the Mother Earth. It should be saying, how do we invite people to invest on in an island of Puerto Rico so that they can bring the jobs here? Because we have great talent and great innovators and great engineers 
and a great pool of people that want to work. But they fight over who's going to bring more food stamps and who's going to bring more federal resources instead of fighting about who's going to bring more jobs, who's going to bring more education, who's going to bring more self-sufficiency and self-reliance of the people of Puerto Rico so that they can determine for themselves. You know, they keep saying, fish, 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 eat, eat, eat. Teach us, help us to create fisheries. And in that, the metaphor is, you know, to create food that we can eat, to create jobs that we can have so that, so that we can create a nation that's self-sufficient. But colonialism just takes that and it, and one of the worst things about colonialism is that it destroys the spirit. It destroys the spirit. It tells you you're not valuable, that you're not, that, that you cannot succeed without a master. So it's very interesting you say this because now um, post Maria, I think the latest number I looked at is, is over 500,000 Puerto Ricans have left the island. Who knows how many will go back? There are at least one out of three foreclosures happening um, on the island. I think the number might be even worse sure. at this point. For a lot of reasons, people who couldn't get aid from FEMA and couldn't live with no tarps over there because they didn't have a deed or because it was you know, for many many reasons people They're are leaving. Very knowledgeable of our situation, <laughs> I see. But 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 I think the the point that I'm trying to make is when your spirit is zapped because of colonialism, your spirit is zapped because of Maria, and this statehood fight is is never. Who knows when it's what is. And then you have millionaires coming into the island, sure. buying up the land. Sure. People, it just comes, it comes down to how do I survive as a human being at that point. Sure. So, path forward, if Trump's not going to help, if the Democrats don't seem to be clued in, if the Fiscal Control Board has other interests in mind, what's, what's the way out? Sure. Here's what I believe. This is all an extended metaphor. The way Donald Trump treats Puerto Rico is because that's not part of the America that he cherishes and that cherishes him, maybe, right? That's not his base. That's not the people he came to Washington, D.C. to represent. So, and neither are Muslims and neither are transgender, and neither are women, and neither are environmentalists, and neither are union leaders. You know, you can look at all of these different uh, situations, and Trump denigrates and demeans us all with his actions. You shouldn't be surprised that the cardinal, the head of the Catholic Church in the city of Chicago, is sent as an emissary by the Pope in Rome to see what's happening on the island of Puerto Rico. The Pope didn't send anybody down to Florida or Texas. He didn't send anybody down to Louisiana. No, the Pope knew that the resources were being, um, um, were being given there. He had to send it to the island of Puerto Rico. Even the Pope was saying, what of the poor people of Puerto Rico? Yes, this American government we live in the wealthiest, most powerful, most technologically evolved nation in the world. And are we treating Puerto Rico with that advanced technology, with that power, with, that, with those economic resources? No, 
we're limiting it. So here's what I think. Bernie Sanders has a great concept with Elizabeth Warren, right? And now we got progressive Democrats that are working. And he says, look, it's $100 billion. I want to take Puerto Rico to the 21st century. Puerto Rico and Hurricane Maria, the devastation of Hurricane Maria. So first came the economic disaster to Puerto Rico, where people lost their jobs, lost their houses, and fled the island. And then came, right, the natural disaster, Maria. Okay, one was man-made, the other one nature-made. We can respond to that. So when Elizabeth Warren and, 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 um, and Bernie Sanders propose $100 billion, they say, we got to take the island back to 21st century standards. Because guess what? Hurricanes are coming. Puerto Rico is one of the most notable victims, right, of climate change. Climate change is here. The hurricanes are going to continue to come. Their ferocity is going to continue to increase. So we need to build housing in Puerto Rico they can withstand. You know what they want to do? They want to put a tarp. Maybe put some sheet metal over the roof again and build you a little wood house and put you a wood door. And what's happened? The next hurricane comes. We got to take the wiring that comes and we got we to gotta put it underground where, where the hurricane can't touch it, right? But no, we're putting wires back up that another hurricane and poles that can tear it back down. And we need alternative sources of energy. We should take the island of Puerto Rico and say, you know what? Let's divide it into six, in a grid of six components, and let's have them all independently um, fueling the, ele uh, the electricity to those six parts of the island of Puerto Rico. Because you got mountains, you got shoreline, but no. What they're doing is they're repairing what was wrong with Puerto Rico. It was already shitty. The lights used to go out, and there were blackouts on the island of Puerto Rico before the hurricane. Water and water shortages were common before the hurricane. And you're going to put a Band-Aid over something that was already crippled? Well, that's not the way to do it. So what I like about now is that people are beginning to look at this and saying, we're not going to do it again. And I think Democrats learned an important lesson. Because, you know, the Democrats that imposed a control board, so here's what happened with the Junta de Control, with the control board, and with PROMESA. And promise, what a word. How devious and cruel can you be to call something the promise? You know, I remember like the promise. The promise for me when I married my wife is that we were going to have a fruitful marriage. And my promise to her was I was going to be one damn good husband, right? And I was going to love her and take care of her and we were going to prosper together. I mean, you think of promise and you think of something positive is going to happen. And in Puerto Rico, the promise is a control board that tightens and, and gives us fewer police officers to protect people, fewer teachers to educate people, fewer nurses and doctors to keep people healthy. That's, really, that's the promise? That's not the promise. So what we do is, what I think Democrats understand now is that they would have never voted to put the, the New Yorkers who voted for the control board, would have never voted to say to Cuomo, you have a control board now in New York with four Republicans, even though you're a Democrat. My senators from Illinois, they wouldn't have never gone to Illinois, a blue state, and said, 
or the senators or the senators and the congressmen from California, they would have never said, hey, let's put a Republican-controlled board over the people of California. They would never do that. I think they're learning, unfortunately, late, but there's always time to rectify. So here's how I see it. If I am right, and this is all an extended metaphor of the cruelty and the brutality of the Donald Trump administration, then the way forward for Puerto Rico is to rid ourselves of Donald Trump. And in, as long as Donald Trump is president of the United States, I got to tell you something, gay people ain't safe. Muslims aren't safe. Women aren't safe, right? Labor leaders aren't safe. Environmentalists will always be smashed. Um, all of those movements for social justice in America will be undermined. I mean, a lot of people say to me, you know, when I heard, first heard Black Lives Matter, I understood it in its current context, right? But I also understood it, I always thought Americans would understand it, right? Because especially for somebody that's a baby boomer, I was born in 1953. Separate but equal was the law of the land. It was legal to discriminate on the basis on housing, on employment. And then we had black people stand up in this country, right? And they brought allies, right? White allies and Latino allies, but they led it. And we got a civil rights movement, voting rights and civil rights and, and education. And they even reformed the immigration system, right? During that very same time, it was a moment of rights led by black people in the United States of America. So I know that I'm a congressman because somebody said you need civil rights in America so my people could register to vote so they could vote for somebody named like Gutierrez. And a voting rights, right? So that they couldn't discriminate and they couldn't tear apart Latinos and say, oh, Latinos, you can all go to the same church together. You can shop at the same grocery store together. Your children can go to the same school. You just can't vote together. Because that's what they used to do to us when they used to reapportion the district. They used to divide us and dilute our power. Black people gave up their lives so they couldn't do that anymore. That's why I have a voice in the Congress of the United States. That's why so many of us have a voice in the Congress of the United States. So what I'm trying to say is, if it is an extended metaphor, then Trump. So I'm going to spend time in Florida organizing the hundreds of thousands of Puerto Ricans that have arrived from the islands. You know, I know anecdotes are a little dangerous because sometimes they're not a reflection. I think this one is. I met an elderly woman at a, uh, a center uh, for people who had come from the island of Puerto Rico to Chicago. And I put my arm around her and I said, there's food here. You won't be hungry. This was at the height of the hurt. I mean, these were people who were fleeing the devastating, there's no electricity, there's no food, there's no water. So you have to understand, so I'm telling you, there's water here, there's doctors, there's hospitals, you know, things that, you know, you're safe here. And she turned around, she said, gracias, pero aquí también hace frío, but it's also cold here. In other words, she was saying to me, this is not my home. Thank you for all of those wonderful things but I want to go home. So we have to work tirelessly to make sure that everybody that had to flee that island 
has an opportunity to return to that island. So I say, look, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, the, they, they've got a great plan. If the project is here in the House, we've got to work to take back a majority in the House and in the Senate so that we can help rectify my poor island of Puerto Rico so we can have immigrant rights in America. They're, they're one and the other. The day the Dreamers get their visas and are no longer under threat of deportation is the same day there's an electrical grid in Puerto Rico that people can rely on and there are jobs and there are prosperity. One thing is going to happen with the other. And if you don't do, they're, they're not going to happen separate from one another.